you can just like hear me coming out of my shell. One, two, one, two, three, four. Headed south on roads paid by man, we make our way furiously over steel built to rise above all the God-given glory of the world. Up put my faith in a man. Up put my faith. Up with the tools to build the trust I have for him. Right in his hands and all the stony cards. Gonna tell our stories. I put my faith in a man. Hi, and welcome back to Music at Three Pines, the podcast. My name is Brad Rayley, and for this episode, I sat down with Daniel Anderson, otherwise known as Daniel Ate the Sandwich. have to credit my in-laws, Andy and Marcy, for telling me about her when we first moved back to Port Collins. Danielle first gained fame with her YouTube channel, but she soon started touring widely. We met in person at a Victor and Penny show here in Fort Collins, and a year later, she played a pretty magical show in her house series. Danielle is first and foremost a fantastic human, but she is also a great singer-songwriter with a beautiful voice and thoughtful songs. She's also known for her ukulele and her sense of humor, both of which you will hear about in this episode. Please go to her website, support her Patreon page, and buy some merch. But first, listen to our conversation. This one took a long time for me to edit, mostly because Danielle was so much fun to talk to, as I think you will hear. Danielle ate the sandwich. So how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Today I feel emotional, Mm. but it's the sun is shining. So I have that like strange thing of like anything might make me cry, which I'm fine with. Um, That's just kind of how I live on the edge. And um, but it's also like a nice day here. I'm in Kansas City and um, I feel hopeful. So I think that's been a theme kind of for me lately, like completely wavery and weak on one on one spectrum and then feeling like, no, no, hopeful and empowered in another. So about you, how are you? I, I'm struggling. I have to say, I just posted on Facebook a little bit ago that I was struggling in terms of getting things done. I've got a couple of podcasts I haven't inter- I haven't edited yet. I've just been feeling this complete lack of inertia. And, and I was talking to Lisa, who, by the way, sends her love. And she hey, said, well, I, I think it, it will help you to talk to Danielle. So, um, <laughs> which, which I agree. I hope so. Definitely. Yeah. I'm having yeah. a hard time with the balance of that lately of like, mm. how much can I basically ignore the news and Mm. how much do I need to at least dedicate it to it so I know what's going on so nobody's getting away with anything even though it feels like a lot of people are getting away with a lot of things (laughs) but um I'm always like I I feel myself getting overwhelmed by the Mm. news cycle and then being like okay it's time for me to stay away but then just keeping that balance of knowing what's going on and being informed and then also like having some like just cheesy romantic comedy time where I yeah. turn off the world yeah. and listen to my stories. Right. Um, but it can be a lot. It's a lot. I don't, I don't even know what to say about it. This isn't the political podcast and I, I wouldn't be no, a great, it's... a great guest, but it's, it's, it's an interesting time, right? To you really, you really have to know what you believe in. It feels like a scary time to not know what you believe in and be kind of like, I want to be very rooted in my, um, in my values and my yeah. convictions and my no, 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 this is, this is what yeah. is right for me and 
for. Yeah. So anyway, songwriting. songwriting. Uh, well, let me ask you though, real quick, since you did mention this, and this is something I talked about with Peter and I talked about this with Mark Arelli, and, uh, uh, I did one with Heather Maloney. I don't know if you know Heather. Um, I, I haven't met her, but I know of her. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just real quick on the political side of it, you know, of course, Peter is somebody who, who, you know, I don't know how he is in a poker game, but he pretty much tells you who he is and what he believes. And he's unafraid. And he, you know, he just sort of like, I mean, Heather, Heather admitted to me that she, you know, she did a song uh, against gun violence um, and she got a death threat from that, you know, that, that she, and wow. she was like, and so I was kind of curious cause I was just listening to your Brianna Taylor uh, song uh, this morning, which is lovely. And I don't know how I missed that when that came out, when you put that out, cause that's really good. Have you, have you had any kind of pushback from people? Have you had that kind of stay in the lane, stay in your lane or, or shut up and sing kind of stuff? Yes, I have. And I actually do it. I do activism very infrequently. Yeah. So to, to these other artists who are doing it kind of on a daily basis or several, many songs about it, I salute them because I, I do it few and far between and a lot of times I take the luxury of like draping it in poetry. So I know what it's about, but it's not a like super clear statement. With the Brianna Taylor song, I got some I got some pushback, just some rude comments, which is so so silly to me because it's a song it's a song written as a tribute to someone's life. Have you heard of Brianna? Taken too soon. I've been thinking about her. Heard her name on the news. Brown eyes and a beautiful heart. Have you heard of? Sleep watching movies. Got a kick out of card games. And she sung at the top of her lungs. Have you heard of Brianna? Yeah. You know, it's not even a it's not even really a political statement. It's simply saying I didn't know this woman and I I'm I'm trying to feel for her. Like I'm 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 I want us all to know her more so that we can take these deaths as seriously as possible. And and I still got pushed back. Anytime I've done a any sort of statement post on Facebook, I've had some I've had some people um, I, I had somebody literally say white lives matter. I don't know if you want like that, like someone posted that. And it's, it's weird. Cause you kind of think, I think as an artist, I assume it's obvious that I'm liberal and that I believe certain things. Cause I do have songs about gay rights and, um, and trans rights. And, um, I, I feel liberal, but I don't actually say it that often. And I'm in communities. I mean, like the folk community is diverse age-wise, and I'm in the ukulele community, which is diverse age-wise. So it does make sense that some of my 
fans would have conservative values, but it's always like surprising to me when they're surprised by my efforts or my values or, and it's like, why do you like me? If all of a sudden Um, that, that one thing pissed you off, like what, what are you doing here? And, and for me, I think a lot of it is it's, it's less so about like losing a fan. I'm just not great at, um, controversy or confrontation or standing up for myself. So it's hard enough for me to like take a little, here's what I believe. And then to have people attack it is, is hard for me to defend. So the issue for me has been less, less about like losing fans or, or blocking fans who are gross, but just like finding my voice and my boundary of, and, and honestly finding who I am as an activist it, it like the last couple of years it's kind of been impossible to deny that like at, especially as a musician and a songwriter when i see so many of my contemporaries like rising up and writing these amazing anthems and i kind i felt like i haven't so it's like oh how do I, how do i speak up for these things that are important to me as a writer and do i do i have to do my songs have to be angry i see so much anger and i feel anger but I'm not an angry songwriter. So it's like, how, what do I feel? And how do I express that as a, as a person who may encounter some racism or sexism on a daily basis in a grocery store? And who am I? Uh, and what do I believe as a songwriter who is writing and editing brilliant works of art to be shared and last forever? You know, it's, it's kind of a big task. I'm amazed so many people do it so well especially someone like Peter Mulvey, like he just whips it out. It just, it's just like, yeah, he's doing it every day. I feel yeah, <laughs> he's good at it. I, I have to say that the, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you know, Mark Arelli. I don't know if you know him. Um, uh, he, he's, he's fantastic. And he plays uh, man. He's actually, the reason I started playing mandolin was, was partly because of him because he plays, he, he's a guitar player. He's a great musician, but you know, he, he's not a, you know, Tim O'Brien or somebody like that. And so, he was he was playing in Norman one time and he was talking about how he'd always wanted to be a rock star and he was holding the mandolin at the time and I said because it was a small crowd of us I said it's a little heavy-handed to be talking about being a rock star while you're up there with you you know and I was kind of thinking <laughs> to a certain degree it's it's uh it strikes me as funny the idea of of playing an angry song on a ukulele that there's a that that it seems to be a right. little bit of a uh, sad absolutely you know um but uh, just out of curiosity because I know in the bluegrass world in the folk world, which are the two that I've actually spent probably the most amount of time in, the bluegrass world is mostly conservative. I mean, that gets into, you know, the, you know, the roots of that. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of gospel, a lot of stuff, and a lot of that's really good stuff. Don't get me wrong. The music's mm-hmm. amazing and some amazing people, but more likely to run into very conservative po- politics there. Whereas folk music, you know, is, I mean, you, you honestly, you're right. It's pretty diverse, but, you, you know, it's it's Joan Baez, it's Bob Dylan, it's it's Woody Guthrie, it's, you know. Rihanna Giddens. Yeah. Um, what's the ukulele community? Uh, is there, is, is it, tell me more about it. Cause I really don't know much about it. Yeah. Within the, the cool thing about the ukulele community is that a lot of the artists are from all different musical backgrounds. Yeah. So there's like old time, old time bluegrass players. There's folk musicians. There's obviously Hawaiian um, musicians and there's pop musicians like me or 
jazz, a lot of jazz. So mm-hmm. everybody's coming from a different musical background and sort of centering it around this instrument. And within that, the, f- the followers of the ukulele are the fans and, you know, the casual players and the, the students are, are from all over too. And I think, I don't want to discredit us. I think this is actually one of the coolest things about the ukulele. We have an amazing ability to just kind of like, let's not talk about it. It's like the ideal, well, maybe not ideal, like Thanksgiving dinner, just like, we know what's happening out there, but in here, we're playing music, we're having fun, mm-hmm. we're expressing joy. And usually there's there's a good record of, of that happening. And, you know, I can't think of any political activist ukulele players right now. I think there are there are definitely friends of mine who write music that is that they play ukulele and they write music that is um, activism and and challenging and important. But I don't think of them as I don't I don't know that there's like a ukulele activist out there. I think we all just sort of. Right. have that in our wheelhouse but it's not our our slogan necessarily or like our our branding and so so it's everything and and more overwhelmingly so it's kind of like let's let's pretend all the hard stuff isn't going on and just have a good time right here which is kind of nice it's really nice to have that and um you know I've played some of my I wrote um, Have You Heard of Brianna, the song for Brianna Taylor, this year, or in 2020, when when we weren't playing shows. So I haven't played that live. And I think, to be honest, I would be nervous to play it, wondering if someone would come up to me and say something. And, and I'm challenging myself to be better about that and say, who cares if someone comes up to you and says something about it? You gotta, you gotta grow into that spot. But... Um, I have played, you know, my songs, uh, you know, challenging religion and support in support of gay marriage and in support of weirdos. And I think the kind of like you said, the ukulele is like kind of a mask to be like, well, anything that person holding that instrument is saying is probably pretty sweet. So I, I think I can get away with it a little bit more, which I don't like. I don't I don't like hiding behind that, but it is nice if if you feel yourself, you know, like when you're on tour and you go to the southeast, you you're kind of like, what city am I in? What what's the vibe of this? What approach do I want to take to this show? Even if yes. even if and and that's something I do personally. I don't I'm not saying that all artists do that, but who I am and what makes me feel safe. That's something I do is just like get the context of where I am and what, what the vibe is of the place. And often at like ukulele festivals I would be playing, it's kind of like, okay, I'm in Pennsylvania. I'm in a smaller town in Pennsylvania. I'm going to button it up a little bit and not just be a total, but I know, I don't know. Do you think that's, no, do you think that's smart? Or do you think that's yes. weak? That feels no, weak no, no, no. It, it doesn't sound weak at all to me. And this is this is part of the conversation I had with Heather Maloney, because mm-hmm. um, she talked about, you know, one of the other songs she wrote is is Enigma about uh, really her feminist kind of anthem, and she was talking about it and she said I don't see it as political, but there is an actual life and death thing for her. She's you know she's talked about you know having to have somebody help her load in at two o'clock in the morning you know, in a back alley someplace um, because she's got a stalker in that, in that community. Um, 
I, mm-hmm. I think being safe and being mindful should be absolutely valued. I, by the way, I never think of you and think, oh, weak or uh, cowardly or anything <laughs> like that. I, I think that you, I think one of the things you do so amazingly well, and so that it also fits into this conversation, is you have such a, a lovely presence about you. I hope you know that. I mean, we, we just adore you. But you, you do these songs and you do a lot of songs, uh, and I know you know this part, you do these songs that really have kind of an upbeat sound to them that are actually quite sad songs, which to me is, is folk yeah. music in, in, a, in a nutshell. So the idea that you can actually do that in an activist way is also, uh, I love that. I, 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 I love that. Oh, thanks. I, I do always like hearing that. And I think, you know, the political vibe is is very like, this feels important to really... Yeah. Um, hunker down on this in ways that I haven't always in the past and just really like know who I am and what I believe so that I can't be swayed or so that I know what is what. And that's a new challenge for me because I, I wasn't really taught to like stand up to anybody, let alone <laughs> for my politics or my, right. so that's a new thing. And that's kind of a, a way I'm stretching. I don't know that I'll become, you know, like a, uh, a brilliant activist songwriter necessarily, but I do want to uh, challenge myself to just get brave, more brave in my, in my writing as a way to express myself. Cause it is my, yeah. my voice yeah. literally and, yeah. and um, on all the levels. And so, yeah, but I appreciate it. It's always nice to hear yeah. you're not weak. <laughs> no, no. That's we, always one of my fears. Yikes. You know, we're big fans. Um, yeah. Let, let's talk a little bit about, how you became Daniel ate the sandwich because um, you know, I've told you this story and um, I had not heard of you until we moved back to Fort Collins. And I think I was on a trip to visit the house or I had to bring some stuff out and I was staying with my in-laws here in town and they said, Oh, have you heard Daniel ate the sandwich? And I thought, well, I, I don't know what you're talking about now. Um, and then I looked you up and you had just been on tour with Peter Mulvey and I'd worked with, I mean, I'd advanced Peter and Norman and I was like, Oh, Okay. And then when we moved here, I, I sent you an email and I uh, was just sort of asking about the, the music community. You were still in Port Collins at the time. And you directed me to, to uh, Justin Roth and, and his song Explosion. And we're just incredibly, it was so generous. Your, your email, it wasn't even just a one line kind of thing. It was like, you know, and you, we'd never met. We'd never, you know, we didn't meet until it was a Victor and Penny show. I think we met in person. Um, mm-hmm. And I never saw you play live until Folk Alliance, I think, uh, was the first time I ever saw you play live. So then all of a sudden I'm sort of learning about this backstory of, you know, your YouTube series and how you, and I just checked and you have a Wikipedia page, which is kind of cool. And so I know you've played other instruments, uh, clarinet. Is it, you start on clarinet and piano? Is that right? Or. I did. Those were my kid instruments. And I also played violin in grade school and high school. That was my main instrument. Do you still play? I, I do. And I don't, you know what I mean? Like if, (laughs) if we were on a plane and someone was like, someone needs to play the violin to save this plane from crashing and no one else could do it. I'd be like, okay, I know, I know a Shokin farewell. Um, but, uh, a very chicken scratchy, a Shokin farewell, but, um, no, you know, I don't like to, I, I was taking fiddle lessons with, um, Betsy Ellis. Uh, and that was cool. Just last year I was taking lessons. So I was trying to get back into it. And, um, but it is something I lost. I remember being a young violin player and like old women at family reunions or funerals kind of shaking me being like, 
I used to play violin and then I gave it up. Don't you dare give it up, girly. And uh, I did. I did. And, and, and I think it's because I started pursuing in high school. I also taught myself to play guitar. And then from that, after that, ukulele. And so I think I started pursuing other instruments sure. and writing writing original songs on other instruments worked out better for me than playing the violin. Um, but I did my first, my very first band was with some friends in college and I played violin, violin and sang. So I was, I was on the record playing the violin till at least, you know, my early twenties, but I haven't, it's in my closet right there. Um, again, if, if we need to, to do it, to save the plane, I'll try to step up. Right. That's good to know, um, by the way. Cause that's, you know, yeah. that's that, that seems to come up quite a bit to, for a plane, you know, right. Like to <laughs> save the plane. Like the only way we're going to fly this plane is if someone can play the violin. <laughs> uh, I, I, well, but yeah, I'm, so I'm kind of curious. So, so you, by the way, you answered one of the other questions. Cause I didn't know, uh, you know, the ukulele, I didn't know ukulele or guitar, which one came first. It makes more sense to me as somebody who plays guitar or owns some guitars. Did that kind of, I mean, about your ear and kind of knowing in terms of scales and just sort of um, keys. Sorry, yeah. my dog is rattling around over here. Um, That's did, okay. Do you think that helped you with your other instruments? I guess is the long-winded yeah. answer question. Absolutely. I think definitely my ear more than a lot of things. Now that I'm a player who communicates with other musicians. Mm -hmm. I wish I could go back to my younger self when I was learning scales Mm -hmm. and, and being taught by music teachers Mm -hmm. um, to really be paying attention. I think Mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I was doing it so that I didn't get in trouble. So like Mm -hmm. I practiced just enough so that I could like fool my teacher into that I was doing the work. And now I'm like, Oh, I was being taught this. Why wasn't I paying attention? So it definitely developed my ear and my sense of musicality, the mm. theory stuff, mm-hmm. some of it stuck and some of it I've slowly been like trying to relearn mm-hmm. or re um, reset in my bones. And that's come from just experience of playing with other folks and um, seeing how other musicians communicate. I didn't realize the importance of that. Like I can read sheet music, mm-hmm. but that's a completely different thing than, you know, playing folk music and saying like, one, four, five in the key of A, that, that took me a while into my musical career to understand what that even meant. Right. And then I'm, I'm, you know, self-taught in a lot of ways in, in the ways that I'm a folk singer songwriter. Um, and, and now that I've gotten good at songwriting, I'm also kind of like, how do you write a song? Like, how would I tell someone to write a song? So I'm also kind of trying to re, I do these things. This is a pattern for me as just a creative. Uh, this this tends to be the trend. I just kind of like don't want to listen to any rules or instruction and do it my own way and then go, okay, I think I have this figured out enough to listen to somebody now about how to make it better. I'm sort of like a paint splat. Like I want to get on the canvas and move around a little before before you tell me how to do it. Or, so or then, now then that you, I then you find out what you've been doing, right? I mean, so, so you, right. you you and then all of a sudden somebody adds in a key there that says, okay, what you're actually doing is writing in this key, and you added a you went outside the key with you know a three major or something like that. But you you were finding those sounds. That's that's actually really cool. Yeah, I was talking to my friend Aaron Kime. He's in a, a group called the Quiet American. 
about music theory and kind of like, can you just explain it to me? Like, how does it work again? And, and he said something like, well, we, we music nerds, like learn how to, to learn music theory, to describe what you, the creator are doing. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like, I, I was like, I'm a songwriter. Tell me how to do music theory. And he was like, well, music theory is just a language invented to explain what you're already doing, which kind of made me feel better about like, they're both, they're both very worth, worth it. And I think sometimes I've felt uh, that I've that I've come up short, not having uh, the the most brilliant or extensive musical vocabulary or experience. But I'm finally growing into my skin of like you you offer what you offer, and you can always mm. learn more and get better. But um, doing any of it is really something, and trying to live with that. Yeah, no, I, and I and I agree with that completely. I mean, for me, learning music theory, I, I took lessons from a guy in in Oklahoma for years. And I, I, I was I was nodding my head when you were talking about when you were playing violin or stuff, you know, as a kid or even clarinet, you know, I, I played trumpet and baritone and even French horn um, uh, briefly. And, um, you know, so I remember having to, you know, that the band director would say, all right, what's the key signature? What key are we in? And, you know, for, for my purposes, it was only in that one little lane I was doing, you know, that that was a flat, not a be natural mm. or, you know, something like that. But I had no concept of the, you know, you panning out, we were all playing parts of chords and, you know, there was all this theory going on. And, um, and I'd, so for me, learning it has been really helpful in terms of understanding. I, I agree with your friend. I mean, absolutely. It helps me understand what you guys are doing, but I love the idea. And I, and I hope you can hold to that is that what you're doing, what you're creating is amazing. You don't have to actually have even all of the language to explain it all the time so all right so you you started out in band and orchestra um and then Mm -hmm. and then um and then started uh self-teaching yourself guitar um what was it that made you say hey i want to do that i mean what what was there somebody that you listened to that you really liked or yeah i wrote songs when i was young like fourth grade i have notebooks going back that was those were mostly written to like casio keyboard beats Um, So I have notebooks of that. I always loved creative writing Mm. and my mom was musical and was uh, the big, the big source of inspiring me to get involved in music and had a piano and her own guitar in the house when I was growing up. And I think as I started to grow up um, and listen to certain musicians, they, they made me realize like, I want to do this more, in my way. Some of the ones I think of are, um, Sarah McLaughlin Mm -hmm. and Alanis Morissette. Like those are ones I heard as a young woman of like, Oh, these girls aren't Britney Spears. (laughs) And I'm interested in how they're singing and like people who made it on the pop pop radio circuit, because that's what I listened to as a kid. And then as I got older, I, and I knew my mom had a guitar and I was seeing these like folk singer songwriter mm-hmm. women. Um, I wanted to teach myself to play guitar and um, I know my mom would have helped me, but for some reason I was kind of shy about, I was, mm-hmm. I was very shy. And for some reason I was stubborn about like not even admitting to her that I was doing it. I think I've always been like a weird, don't look at me until I'm ready kind of person. Cause I love performing 
and the attention you get on stage. But like when it's not time to be on stage, I'm kind of like, do not look at me or I'll have a meltdown. So it's a weird. And I think there was some of that when I was learning, like, I want to be good enough at this so that I feel comfortable taking Mm -hmm. some feedback or criticism. Because if someone Mm -hmm. criticizes me before I'm even before I've started, I'll just give up. And so um, then I started writing songs on guitar and I have like a cassette tape of my first songs and I will treasure it always. And they weren't good, Brad, (laughs) but I love that I did it. And, you know, I, I told like one of my best friends, like, and like, don't you dare tell anyone else I'm doing this. And it was very, she was supportive and I, I had a loving home, but for some reason I was very shy about it. And then into college, I got some, I made some friends who were also musical and we basically played open mic nights for fun. And we, that's where I played violin and sang. And and there were two other guys who played guitar and we were kind of like, we were, uh, the name was Backdraft the Musical and you're from Fort Collins. I should take advantage of that. Like we played open mic nights at Alley Cat and Avogadro's number. Uh, and then we, we got, we were on KRFC's live at lunch. So we were doing all the fun, the fun opportunities that are, are there, the great music scene in, in Fort Collins. And from that, they all, you know, like went to med school or, or moved on in their college lives. And then I was left to be like, oh, okay, what am I going to do now? I want to do this, but I don't know how to do it alone. Can I do it alone? Am I good enough? I've been writing these songs, but nobody's like really heard them unless they were singing with me. And I had to kind of relearn how to be brave in that way. And it was much different for whatever reason to do it only me. I did the same sort of circuit, play open mic nights, get some, um, get some experience and exposure and build it up. And, um, in that time after playing guitar first, I I picked up a ukulele from my friend who was also in the band. He had one and I just started picking on it and fell in love with it and then got my own and then like wrote a whole album. And then just, it it was, I, I think about this a lot currently, the wild, bountiful, <laughs> like uh, rewards and life of youth. Just like when you're, when I was twenty, like twenty to twenty-four, I just felt like I wrote a song every day, and I made, a, I sewed a new outfit every day, and I was just like staying up late talking about atheism with men who were smoking cigarettes. And now I feel mentally healthy. And I'm getting good rest and I what I believe more and it's somehow harder for me to pour anything out. So I like mm. um I was just lucky to be young and and have the right setup to really pursue music and writing and and it was a great time. And Fort Collins, Colorado was where I started. It was a great city and I had a great like community of fellow open mm. mic night college kids who were doing the same thing. And it was just a really, um, a really sexy time of like, we were friends with a guy who just did like drumming solos and a rapper. And, mm. um, you know, we were all, we were all finding our way. I'm sure a lot of people have that with the the group of friends they had in college. And I don't, keep in touch with all of them now, but I'll always like remember them as sort of like my first artistic family 
And uh, I'm super grateful for for those experiences of staying up late and making lots of art and music. Yeah. Well, one of the things I'm I'm struck by when you say in terms of shy, I I think you because I we talked when you did our house show, and and so we 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 loved that. We had so much fun chatting with you over dinner, and just sort of this sense of. Uh, one of the things when you work with musicians and have some time like that, you really do get, get that sense of the difference between, you know, backstage and, and on stage and the persona and that kind of stuff. It's not that you're fake at all, but there is a comfort level on the stage. And then there's an introspection and a shy quality to you that probably everybody who goes to see you would not necessarily know. So what that does though, remind me of is just how brave that is for you to, because I creating art is, is scary and so for you to actually embrace that kind of writing your own songs and being and and putting them out there as somebody who as you say is shy is really impressive to me i mean that that really but you just kept writing i mean you kept doing that standing up there in front of people is not easy and it takes reps and it takes time and stuff like that so as you as you i'm sure it was really helpful to do it with a group of people and then by the time you got up there by yourself with a guitar? Is that where you started doing mostly with guitar? Or did you start doing solo stuff with the uke? I think I started on guitar. I was I was not yet a proficient uke player mm. before I had started open mic. And yeah, it took a long time for me as a shy person. Mm-hmm. I would say definitely a shy kid. I had opportunities to perform solos in choir band and um, I took them and was extremely nervous um, and didn't often go out for the solo just because I didn't want to feel <laughs> nervous all the time. And I think when I first started, um, it took me... I don't know the number, but I would say at least 20 times of forming before I enjoyed it and didn't just feel terrified or excruciatingly disgusted with my performance. You know, it's not even like the nerves before. It's like the feeling after of like, that was humiliating. Why did I do that? And it was never as bad as I thought. And I think for me, when I, you know, hear these stories about like, oh, I was writing and performing by the time I was eight, I get a little jealous. And I'm like, wow, what was that like to have confidence as an eight-year-old? Because it felt like it took a long time to catch up with myself for me. And then once it did, it was it was kind of of an outpouring, just like bang, bang, bang. That's Mm. all I wanted to do. And I loved that. And, And so it took a long time and it was hard and there's there was a magic that was happening after i performed and was nervous and i i finished and i felt bad like what was i thinking i just embarrassed myself in front of everyone there was a voice inside this is the magic that said but you can do better mm. and you got to do it again mm. so and i think some people get the voice of that was terrible i'm never doing that again and mm-hmm. i had the voice of you can do that better. Like you can, you can get in the zone. You can find that mat, like you can find that grounding and give them what you got. So I'm lucky that I had that. Um, that was my inner voice encouraging me. And I, I always got good comments, you know, no one was being like, you suck, go home. (laughs) It was, and it's, I think my whole career in life and maybe many of ours has been uh, the race against ourselves of 
like overcoming our own negative voice. And I will say you started this conversation with about you, you, me and Lisa talking before my, my concert at your home. And I really loved that too. I thought about that going into this. I'm, I always kind of like, okay, there's an interview tomorrow and what's the vibe going to be like? And then I was like, oh, I remember sitting down with Brad and Lisa and it was so easy to talk to them. And that doesn't always happen with the people you meet or who host your shows or host you in their homes. And, um, I like immediately felt at ease to be like, these people are listening to me and I'm listening to them. And this is, this is safe here. Cause sometimes, you know, you meet people and you give them a little honesty and they don't take it. And then it's like, okay, yep. I'm going to have to be Daniel ate the sandwich, the performer all night. Uh, and with you guys, it was like, I can be Daniel the person while we eat dinner before the show. And then on stage I can be Daniel ate the sandwich. So I thank you for that. That's Lisa. that's lovely. I I absolutely appreciate that. That's uh, that's nice. Yeah. Nice to know. That was that was a magical magical show. Um, it really was, it was and good. a magical evening. We we yeah we love that. Um, speaking of Daniel ate the sandwich. I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever heard the story of how you came up with the name. Yeah. Well, it it happens. It happened around the time I was playing all these open mic nights, and I was just signing up as. Danielle, <laughs> you know, when you write your name on the, yeah. on the slot of like, I want the 845 set. And I was like, Danielle, come on. I'm, I, I gotta come up with something better than that. And also, um, creating a MySpace music page. Mm. And I, I wanted to do that cause I had recorded some music and I wanted to put some out there and I knew you, you had to be you had to know that URL before you created your account. So that's what inspired me to create a band name at all. And um, I love branding and marketing. I don't think I knew it. I don't think I knew that that's what it was called Mm. back then. So I wanted something that was attention getting and fun and um, that included my name, but my last name's Anderson. So it didn't really have like a showbiz ring to it. And I was just making a list of all the things, I don't remember any of the other things I came up with. Um, it, and I kept coming back to Daniel ate the sandwich and I was like, that's ridiculous. No one would ever. That's so silly. That's dumb. And um, I kind of landed on it. I, I'm sure as a joke, like this isn't going anywhere. I'm not going to be a real musician. Right. Um, kind of to all continually talking myself down. Let's just call it Daniel like the sandwich. Um, and I, I naturally thought of, of food because I think food is visual and colorful and like looks good on posters and t-shirts. And, um, I decided on sandwich because it seems like a friendly food and, uh, one that comes in all kinds of sizes, like pizza, pizza is too cool or edgy and, um, uh, so I, uh, yeah, I don't randomly decided on sandwich as I was going through like the the most popular food groups and um and yeah there there is something in me in my in my stage presence as well a, a sense of humor and a sense of self self deprecation which I think at times has definitely absolutely been uh, a defense mechanism I'm gonna make fun of myself before you can make fun of me because I'm terrified of you making fun of me. Um, But it's also been to my advantage that it's been fun. And I I always want to make, I think it can be too much at times, but I want to make people feel comfortable by joking around so that they know I'm not taking myself too seriously. So 
like this is a this is a place where we're going to talk about feelings and we're going to talk about silly stuff and we're going to talk about death and religion but we're also going to talk about shopping at the mall and cute boys and sandwiches and you know so yeah. in the larger sense the name to me creates an an environment that mm. that is all the things that I try to do with my music so I didn't really know it at the time but it kind of worked as a brilliant name for getting attention sticking in people's heads not, yes. not making any sense to the point of people being like what is this I want to know more and then also in like wrapping up the entire show or the entire mm. package of what I'm doing with my music and my videos and and what I hope to bring to people when they listen. Yeah, I and and I I think it was it, I think it was brilliant and is brilliant. Um I I was struck by um but you have such an amazing sense of humor. I remember the very first time I saw you. Well, I, I, well, Folk Alliance is where I saw you, and you were pretty nervous in that showcase, as I recall. So, actually, in that showcase, I probably didn't see quite as much humor because you, you didn't have a lot of time. You were on guitar, as I recall, for most of it. So, I didn't know you played guitar. Um, and uh, I honestly had not heard you sing, and I couldn't believe how good your voice was. And then when I went back and was talking to my relatives, they were struck by how fun you were and how funny you were. And when they'd see you at uh, what's the coffee shop um, on uh, Mason Everyday Joe's Everyday yeah, Joe's, Everyday I think Joe's. they'd seen you there and uh, probably at the in the the Lagoon series at CSU and and um, and all of that's true. You are funny and you're just so witty and just it just always is ma- making you smile. But I I was taken back on on. A, you're a really good guitar player, but you also have, you have an amazing voice. I mean, you could be a, a performer who didn't tell any jokes and I would still amazing. Yeah. I'd go see you every time. Um, but you know, that adds into that kind of, of, as you said, that the whole package, um, there's, there's witty, there's deep, there's, um, I'm going to smile at you and sing something that's going to make you cry. It's that kind of thing that, uh-huh. that, that you're doing there. Um, but about your voice, this is probably the longest question I've ever asked. Um, <laughs> I mean, when did you really know that you have, cause you have a really powerful, beautiful voice. Um, and, and yeah. when did you really kind of, uh, know that? Yeah. Thanks for those kind words. I think I was in choir as a kid, so I knew I could sing and keep a tune. Right. Um, but that's something that I discovered later. It, it came with, it came with the stage because, I I hadn't yet sung solo. Like mm-hmm. I hadn't performed my my vocals. I had sung in a group or I had um, sung along to the radio and I did listen to a lot of pop radio. So I was singing along with like Alicia Keys or trying to sing along with Alicia yeah, Keys. Right, right, right. So I kind of credit pop music for, for mm-hmm. training me vocally in a, in a lot of ways. But I definitely discovered my voice the second I started using it to perform my original songs solo mm-hmm. on stage. And I think you can even tell on my very first album that was released in 2007, it's kind of like, I'm singing like this, I'm singing like this. And then my one in 2016 is more like, real, I'm a singing like this. So you can just like hear me coming out of my shell. And um 
And I'm so grateful for that. I love singing and I love my voice and I love getting to use it. And I love seeing it evolve and not just in the songs I'm writing, but the way I'm singing along or the way I listen to singers. And it's like, I love how that person sings because they're doing this thing. And I, I, I didn't always think of my voice as an instrument. I think it, it, it kind of was like, oh, I wish I could do that on guitar. I wish I could play like that on guitar. But it's like, oh, but I can do that with my voice. My voice is my instrument. And then like when people started, when I've heard people refer to the voice as the instrument, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, I'm really proficient in an instrument. That's my goddamn voice. Yeah, and so, exactly right. so it, it was... I knew I had it, but I, I didn't know I had it until I was kind of set loose in the dog park to use it and just like run around like crazy and mess up and realize I couldn't hit that note or realize I, I could go that low or I could do a vocal riff or I couldn't or um, it, it was definitely something I discovered alongside the ability to write songs and the ability to get on stage and show people who yes. I was, which is so cool. I'm just so glad that it finally happened. <laughs> I mean, but, but it's also, you know, I've told people that, that, I mean, I, I think people understand that performing is difficult, whatever it is you're doing, but it always strikes me that the most difficult thing to do in music is to be a, a singer songwriter with a guitar or, you know, up on stage. Cause you don't have anybody to turn to. There's no, there's no mm-hmm. harmony coming in. There's no person to take a lead break. There's no, you know, Oh, let's admire this guitar solo. You know, that kind of thing. It's you and all of it has to be there. And so when you have that voice, I love that of you really coming into your own and finding out that actually people, you could sing a song, you know, acapella and people want to hear that. It doesn't have to be with a uke or uh, anything like that or, or guitar. Um, that's cool. I, I love that. I, I, by the way, yeah. I love the idea of, of your 2007 album to today. Cause I, I can absolutely picture that of, you know, the kind of Tim, you know, you, cause I think it takes a while to trust that. And that's, you know, that's cool. Yeah. And that's something that's cool to who knows what will happen to my voice as I grow old. Um, but like thinking of like Joni Mitchell's voice and how it's evolved over time, it's like, yeah. whoa, what's going to happen? Like what can happen and what will happen and what will kind of feel uh, like, you know, a lot of times I'm sure it feels like a loss of like, oh, I lost this section of my vocal right. range, but right. some other tones will come out. So I'm looking forward to growing old with my singing voice and, uh, I think that's cool. It's definitely my favorite instrument that I play. My voice. Yeah. That's cool. I will. Um, you're asking great questions and I don't want to interrupt, but it's, it's really good to like, um, to be asked these questions and to kind of look back on my life and my career and be so grateful. Um, because I, you know, this year has been weird for a lot of musicians and just me in general lately, I've kind of been taking a break um, from performing as much and writing as much and releasing. So it's, it's really nice to just like, look back and be like, I've accomplished a lot. And I, mm-hmm. I grew up a lot and I've come a long way. And I, I, I've had a lot of great experiences and conversations with people who've house, hosted house shows. And, um, it's really nice to be dipped into memory lane and, mm-hmm. and have all these positive things come back. I'm glad I, I'm, that makes makes me happy. Um, Good. In the garden of Eden. 
maidens at Adam and Eve And when the big voice spoke and said, explain yourself Something deep down like a fever Burning hot and leaping eager Came hurling at a soft as smoke from a cigarette God knows bad things can happen to a good woman God knows good things can happen to a bad one Deep inside there is a light That goes on when it is time To make a choice To tell the truth or make it easier And lie This is how we learn to lie My question is actually about songwriting Especially about melodic kind of different like i said you'll hear elements of these are some of the that's where you're you're kind of you there's you have a tell but but the the ones that keep us interested are the ones that are always finding that new melodic line and i'm curious everything you've told me up to now tells me that you've discovered that and then maybe go back and realize that do you have a sense of when you kind of recognize or did you just do it that just you were just finding different melodic lines so you weren't just always doing you know with me every song i've ever written is a waltz <laughs> mm-hmm. i have a lot of waltzes too brad i mean there's Don't nothing wrong with the waltz but yeah yeah <laughs> i think that's something i discovered as i went along as well so my melody also got wider my my melody was a bit i would say shy or contained and it grew as I got more comfortable on stage and with my voice and with the opportunity Mm. of like, okay, I have the opportunity to do whatever I want. Mm. Whereas when I first started, I think I was kind of like asking for permission. I don't know if this is okay. Can I do this? I'll keep it small just in case anybody doesn't like it. And then now it's like, you can do whatever you please. It's up to you kind of, no one's going to tell you. And, um, until you post about it on Facebook. And then, um, I think, um, I I was also going to say like, my strength is definitely my voice and I can play guitar and ukulele, but I am not often picking melody or riffs on my instruments. Mm. So a lot of the work falls on my vocals to create interest and where someone might do like a guitar riff interlude, I would do like a ooh, ooh or something like with my vocals. So right. it's been it's been kind of a, the answer to how do I make this song move a little different? How do mm-hmm. I how do I work with the the differences? The how do I add variety? How do I create the mood? And I put I put that responsibility on the CEO of my company, which is my vocals, and then the the instrument is the accompaniment or the the kind of the workers. And so, within that, I mean, experience. I'm learning. I'm do, I'm actually like happy to do this podcast today because if you had asked me in in like April of last year, I might be like, I'd, I'm not writing. I'm not in a good place. Mm-hmm with being a songwriter. So don't talk to me now. <laughs> um, but I, I, I am like just dipping into songwriting again and really trying to focus on a new process now that things for me have changed and the world has kind of changed. Um, and, and within that, I, I'm challenging myself to come up with new melodies and 
my melodies move all over the place. And I'm kind of like challenging myself to do the opposite. Like don't fall from your highest note to your lowest note on the first line of the first verse, like save it and see what happens. And kind of like, um, just cause I can do something doesn't mean I should do it every time. Yes. And something I'm noticing with my songs, like you say, you write a lot of waltzes, something I'm noticing with these new songs I'm writing is like, this sounds familiar to me. Uh. And then I think back and I'm like, that song I started two months ago is this exact same melody. Mm. So, you know, we all get kind of stuck in our themes and our, our uh, chord progressions. But for me now it's work to, now that I've, I've, I've released seven albums, so I've written a ton of songs. And the challenge for me now is to like challenge myself to do something different. Mm. And maybe that's something more simple to go back to where I started or to, I think listening to other songwriters is a great way to work on that. And um, I don't know, just be aware. I'm actually taking Peter Mulvey's songwriting oh, class offered through, offered through his Patreon page. Yes. And he just did a little lesson on melody. And he said, like, if it's your skill, if it's, if it's your strength, like um, focus on it and pay attention. And if it's your weakness, spend some time there and pay attention. Mm. And it was like, you're so right. I, I'm doing it. I'm luckily I've put in a lot of work and I flex those muscles that I can just kind of do it. But am I paying attention to what I'm doing? You know, as any, like a workout, I hate using workout uh, metaphors or analogies because I'm rarely doing it. But it's like, if you're concentrating on the rep repetitive thing you're trying right. to strength and strengthen right. and build, it, it works better than when you're just kind of like flapping around. So I'm I'm working on kind of slowing down and really paying attention to what I'm doing and 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 editing and I don't know. There's mm -hmm. lots of things. I'm I'm a, I'm a busy little bee up yes, here in my are. heart and head. Uh, do, do, <laughs> when you say about editing, because this has also been interesting to me, um, uh, uh, very rarely do people just put out a first draft of whatever it is and it's done. And oddly enough for me, even though that's something I'd done in every song I'd ever written, I think it was, which is not many. It's not like when I say every song, I we, you know, maybe five. Um, once they were done, I was like, all right, well, that shit's over. Um, and yeah, in talking, <laughs> did you, when you started out, did you edit songs or did you, it was like, it was there, it was, it worked, it was good, it was okay. And that was it. Is that? Um, there were some songs that fell right out on the first writing. Um, a few of those enough to know that it was possible, but that wasn't usually the way it happened for me. So I was editing and I was working on it. And I think that's also something I learned as I went along of like, there's something in the song, the title track from my 2016 release, the terrible dinner guest was right. a song that as far as I can remember, it took the longest to edit. It was like completely different. I started it in 2013. The closet coats hung safe in quieter places. The chicken was silent in its cooking glazes. My tongue was heavy and hiding in the back of its cage. I'm scavenging cabinets to make conversation looking under couch cushions for sophistication i thought i had taste but i don't even know what time it is 
So I worked on it for years and I like changed the key and I kind of changed not the concept of right. the song is about, you know, not knowing what to say and and being eloquent and and suffering from social anxiety, but the storytelling cho- changed over time and I'm so glad I didn't give up on it. There's a lot of songs I start and I'm like, there's something there. And then I forget about it. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, maybe discover it two months later or two years later and go, oh, yeah, there there was something there. But um, their editing is very important. I was just going to tweet yesterday. I'm working on a song right now. And I was just going to tweet like everybody always asks, how do you start your songs? But nobody asks, how do you edit it? Or how Mm -hmm. do you know it's done? And I think that's a really hard skill. Another thing for me that I'm learning recently and with this Peter Mulvey songwriting group is feedback. Like I don't send my songs to people and say, what do you think of this? I'm, I'm the creator, I'm the editor. So it's still running through that same filter. And, um, we've only submitted one song so far and someone said something that kind of hurt my feelings because I'm not great or experienced with taking criticism. But the more I thought about it, it made sense. It was just like, I thought the bridge could have come earlier in the song. Mm. And he's right. He's right. And I'm going to make that change. So it's, I'm also learning the importance of having folks you can share with and uh, constructively criticize and, and grow from, or I've never had a writing partner. Um, and so those are things I'm kind of like, do I, do I want that? Do I Mm. want somebody to write with? Do I want an editing partner? I have, I have friends definitely that I like send songs to. And we kind of say like, I'm feeling open to constructive criticism, or I just need compliments on the song right now. Like this is where I am right now on this project. And so that's always been nice, but it's different when someone can really get in and be mm. gritty and, and be honest and straightforward. And that's a vulnerable place for both of you to be. Yes. And I haven't always had that in my editing process. So that's the kind of something I'm, I'm sniffing around about, like maybe I would really benefit from that and, and joining these songwriting groups where you're given yeah. permission to share and comment on each other's works is really right. valuable to me right now. So, so you haven't done uh, co-writing I've done it just a few times. Uh, it doesn't feel second nature to me at all. I yes. just did one with my friend Emily Anderson this year. She was doing a song a day project in November and we did one together. And you know, here and there um and it's good for me. It's good mm-hmm. for me cuz it's a stretch. And I find myself kind of just like political talk. Mm-hmm. I kind of find myself like putting on a tight jacket that's like I bet this is what you want me to say mm-hmm. right now. Instead of when I'm alone in my room and I'm just, to me, songwriting is feeling comfortable enough to just spew out everything that comes to you and anything that falls out lyrically or melodically. And I don't always feel that when I'm with other people. It's like, oh, you think I'm a good songwriter, so I have to be a good songwriter. First thing I say, every idea I have. And it's it's a good skill, I think, for those who do co-write and have that 
ability. I, I'd like to try to do that. For the fans of the of music, I think I like this. I like for people to learn this, to know how hard it is to get these songs to th- this shape, that it's not just coming out. Um, yes. Because one of the things I have noticed in some people who try something like this is, you know, they pick up the guitar and they're like, oh, this is really hard. You guys make it look so easy. You know, same with songwriting. And so it's it's always kind of nice to know. Yeah, anyway, it's me blathering along. I Luckily, know, I'm, I the, think- I'm the editor on this one, so. <laughs> right. Well, you can leave this in it because I think it's interesting too. I don't think we talk about how hard it is. Mm. Um, to, to play guitar is so hard. Guitar is the hardest instrument I've yeah. ever touched. That stupid B string. That. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And. And writing is hard and this, the, the climb up the hill is hard to like, yeah. when do I give up? Yeah. How do I know it's done? Yeah. And getting on stage to perform is hard. And luckily for us performers, we do make it look easy, but we don't, we don't talk about our struggle a lot. Mm. And I love, of course, being very honest and open to the point of dragging everybody down to the ground with me. It's like, this is difficult. And if you're trying don't be discouraged because right. it takes a lot of work and yeah. I'm still working on it. And yeah. um, something you said about uh, of like, you know, curating a set list that shows my strengths and tells the story that I want to tell that night is an interesting thing about performing and writing. And like when I write a new song, there is sort of a, a checklist I put it through of like, I think it's finished. I'm obsessed with it. I doubt myself and hate it. And then I fall back in love with it again. And then I play it at a show and I mess up because it's new. And then I play it, I show it again and it goes well. And then it's like in the rotation then. So it kind of has to like go through a couple of tryout phases. And, and I'm trying to also change up that that for me. And I have a Patreon page too, and I'm, I'm working really hard this year on writing again. And I think I haven't announced it yet. Um, but something I want to do is say like, I'm going to do a virtual show just for my patrons where I play these brand new songs hmm. and they may not be perfect and you might, you don't know them yet. So you won't like them. It'll be like, you know, everybody likes to hear the cover song or the song they're familiar with, and it's going to be all new. So you guys are going to be uncomfortable and I'm going to be uncomfortable. But it, it's it's part of um, it, like speaking its name, speaking the truth. I have to say, look, guys, I know we just met, but I made something, and I need you to pay attention to me for three and a half minutes while I do the brave deed of sharing it with you. And that's what music makers are doing with their fans, or artists are doing with their followers. And and it's hard every time. I do it a lot, but it's terrifying every time I I do a new song. And it almost seems like the more I like it, the less, the less it goes over. Like the worst, the worse it goes over. People are like, mm. okay, eh, like faith in a man. And it's um, that's one of my songs for those of you who don't know. And there's like a, I have to believe in myself. My fans are awesome, and I'm so grateful for them. But there is part of the process to me that I have to convince myself, and I have to be sold on it, and I have to love it. Because once you let it out to the, out to the world and send it off to college, it's on its own. You know what I mean? And I have yep. to know that I put into it what I believed in and what I thought was the right editing. And it's done when I felt it was done and then just sort of set it free. Right. Uh, and it's it's not that part's not easy, too. A lot of the friends I grew up with are kind of tepid music fans. I mean, they, you know, 
and and they only go to hear people that they've heard before and they only want to hear the songs they know um yeah and i think that's how i started but then i was was exposed to people playing a new song and and lisa and i talk about that all the time and so that's something we have tried to cultivate in our house series you know that we we tell people you know and there may be a cover you may hear a song you've heard before if you don't know this person but you're going to love their music and you're going to be you know mm -hmm. um and so i'm glad you do that to kind of because that's that's if you stop if you just play all your old songs and that's all you do i'm pretty sure at some point you're going to be bored if you've listened to my podcast i i end them in uh roughly the same way um so i have some questions for you that i uh, mm -hmm. uh cultivated you 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 know this don't you <laughs> i'm sorry i think i do i at least okay. know some of the questions yeah okay the first one is who is the songwriter understanding there's probably going to be more than one but who is the songwriter that just makes your jaw drop that when they put out something you're like whoa yeah I did know that you were going to ask this question and I thought all about it and I thought about the answers that someone might want me to say. And I'm, then I thought about the answer that I want to say, and it's Taylor Swift. It's Taylor Swift. Yeah. I, I love her writing. I feel a similarity in my own. And so I can relate to her and like the things she's singing about or the way she's mm -hmm. producing music. I love seeing her evolution. It inspires my own of like, okay, here's a young woman who is writing and changing with each record. And, you know, it's not like David Bowie transformations, but it's a slow and gradual exploration and an owning of one's opportunity and possibility to be like, I kind of want to make a pop album now. I kind of want to make a folk album. I kind of want to hire all of my musical heroes and have them produce this album I released as a surprise in the last 24 hours. And it's like, yes. Yeah. So I'm inspired by her music, but also the way she does it. And I really, I sense her taking a big bite out of the apple mm -hmm. that she has been given. And, and I think that's an inspiration to me. Yeah. So I'm going to well, say Taylor Swift. I love her, Brad. <laughs> I, I, I will confess, and this is actually a part of my own kind of um, bias that I'm, I'm recognizing. Um, is mm -hmm. that I did not take Taylor Swift seriously. And so I have been trying to, although Shanna warned me that because she is still trying to buy up her old, she didn't want me to buy her old albums right now because they go in the hands of the bad people. Um, yeah. So I, I really want to listen to her more because because so many people that I know respect her. and I, uh, but, I but I also know enough about her to, to know uh, from the business side, here is a woman um, in a in a business that's been traditionally pretty shitty towards women and exploitative mm -hmm. and um, and she has stood up and and claimed her voice and and talked about the business and the industry behind it and everything else and so I I I would I'm not going to take my hat off because I haven't had a, a haircut since August so but I quarantine <laughs> here uh, metaphorically I'm taking my hat off for, for, for yeah for. yeah. I think she's great. And um, I like how, you know, it happens where I've, a lot of people, these last two releases she's done, people have been like, oh, she's actually pretty good. And it's, I, I think that just happens, uh, that it takes a while. I, I remember that happened with mm -hmm. Lady Gaga. Like everyone thought she was just a, a pop weirdo until mm -hmm. she like 
did a jazz album with Tony Bennett or um, did a Judy Garland tribute on at the Grammys or something. And, um, and it's like, I think there's talent behind every, people, even if like what they're doing isn't your thing. I think that's important to recognize of like, it's not really my thing, but I can see that that person right. has talent. I'm always trying to be aware of that. And as, as a woman, I, I mean, I'm in the folk pop scene, not like the, the pop dance scene. Um, so, but some of my heroes are Lady Gaga and Katy Perry and Taylor Swift often for the reason of watching how they run their business and how mm. they compose themselves and present themselves as epic powerful women Mm -hmm. in the music industry and i'm always learning a lot of lessons from them and what they've been through yeah and and i think probably part of what we run into is a reverse snobbery um that you know so many of the people that we go to see are people that we can go up and talk to after the show or something like that there's a you know kind of and so somebody who's that big uh, we can kind of dismiss as part of a, a machinery. I'm I'm struck by as you were talking about these women being so kind of intentional and taking control and using the gifts God gave them, um, and whether it be in attractiveness or 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 uh, talent or whatever. Um, and and yet in the back of my mind, I'm realizing how dismissive I've been. And yet some of the people I grew up listening to, some of the men. Uh, Barry Manilow was a creation. I mean, he's uh, also a good, good voice, but he was a creation. He had teams of people writing songs for him, creating this, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, some of the people I have loved the most never wrote an original song themselves. You know, they were known yeah. for their voice, that kind of thing. Um, it's all good. It's all yeah. good. I think we're always, yeah, we're always learning of like, oh, wow, that person, there was more to that than I realized. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the second question, as you know, um, is about outside influences, uh, because it's clear to me that what you have talked about is your kind of central influences on the kind of music that drew you into doing this are most are a lot of pop and then kind of folky pop who outside of that, whether it be a genre or an artist who is, and one of the ways I've started framing this is that does music that you yourself would not try to do uh, because it's just not something that's you would do, but there's somebody you listen to and you think it might influence maybe something about how you approach hook or about, uh, or performance. Yeah, that's a great question. I think I would, I would say Lizzo. Do you know this artist? Mm-hmm. She's new. Um, uh, like kind of like a, a pop rap artist. And what I like about her music is that it's super joyful and expressive and it's confident and empowered. She, she has a lot of body positivity mm-hmm. and sexuality messages. And, um, and she manages to do it in a very fun and empowered way. And I think that having fun is awesome. And it's it's always been kind of difficult for me to, in my songs, take a joyful, mm. a joyful or silly, like just completely silly narrative. Like we've talked about my ukulele or the song sounds fun, but it's actually about something mm. sad or or melancholy. And so I love artists who are able to own their power and i think definitely as a female like 
sexuality is something I've always dodged and I am a modest person. Um, but I also think a lot of it comes from like wanting to be in the box and wanting to not upset anyone and putting on my tight jacket. And so anyone, even, I mean, this is a Taylor Swift said the F word in her new record. And it was just like, we can say the F word in our music. I haven't ever cussed in one of my recorded songs before. And I totally could, but it's like, I, I see other people doing it. Someone like Lizzo, who's just like totally proud. And I, she's also, you know, honest about it that someday she doesn't feel great, but she also knows she's a beautiful, a beautiful, powerful woman and, and leans into that. And, um, I like that. I like that message of, of not being worried about being confident about who you are in your music. Mm -hmm. It's not even necessarily like a political or activism. It's saying, I know who I am and I like it and I'm going to sing about it. That's, that's never something I've been um, willing to do. And then uh, in addition to Lizzo's songwriting approach, like her production, I believe she produces most of her stuff. So she knows how to record and how to layer and how to make synth songs and she is a great study of of all the components of the song which as a female business owner and entrepreneur that's always exciting to me i like bringing people in but i also like kind of knowing like i know enough about this to know what i want and how to communicate it that's something that's very inspiring by the way i think you were the one that told the story about that you were playing at a, a grade you were asked to play at like a grade school kind of assembly was that you yes like I have was, done that. And and it was like you were trying to figure out, oh, it's with a uke, but it's about grandma dying. Is that is that gonna be okay? <laughs> is yeah, it, do I have that story yeah. correct? Something that like is that. correct. I've been I've played at a couple of grade school assemblies. I've done um I've I've done a fundraiser for a network that like that brings music therapy to kids who are sick in the hospital. Right. And I haven't ever actually gone to the hospital to play for kids. Um, but but there is this thing of like what songs that I've written are appropriate to play in these spaces with young minds or minds who are working on healing because right. so much of my music is like you are gonna die get ready for it <laughs> say you're sorry now kiss your grandmother good night it's gonna happen it's coming around the corner and so it's like this isn't a good one for kids and again it's all draped in poetry so it, it a lot of it goes over their heads right. but. You know, I don't want some kid to be like, mom, what is death? Right. And uh, be the one that cracks that right. egg so, open for the so parents. You're not going to write a song about Santa Claus not being real and just to go to the, <laughs> to the Never. first grade class and, and say, all right, kids. <laughs> it's great to be here at Rutgers <laughs> Elementary School. This song is called Santa's Not Real. Uh, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't. <laughs> but But it would kind of makes me laugh to think about it but um i know it would be fun it's a fun like com <laughs> comedy sketch that could be our comedy right. sketch exactly. but nothing i would do in real life um okay so the last question is about guilty pleasure um which as i've kind of admitted is is as, as i've told some others it's a bullshit question because honestly we're adults and a lot of what we've been talking about is learning not to feel guilty about things that we like Mm -hmm. as long as we're not harming somebody, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Is there something like that that, that is? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of, um, I mean, I sometimes think of Taylor Swift as a guilty pleasure, but I'm also trying to not 
say that that's a guilty pleasure right because that's something i've done i've prefaced it with that before um man my favorite band is coldplay which i feel like they get a lot of shit for i guess being pop sellouts i remember this moment in college where coldplay instantly became not cool and i don't even get why i think it's like the, the second somebody gets successful or marries a celebrity they're bad people um but I um, I really like Coldplay. Yeah, so much of what I like, I think, could be considered a guilty pleasure. And I'm trying not to think about that. It is what it is. Uh, I, But just for the fun, I love the question. So for the fun of it, I go deep into... Um, I love the TV show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And one episode in season six, they have a musical where like the, the show is supernatural and all these... Um, things are happening and there's a demon who sets a spell on the town that they're in the musical. So they act out all their feelings and song, you know, and they're making fun of it. They're making fun of themselves and musicals all at the same time. But, um, it, it sticks with me. And like, every time I hear a song from it, I, I got the CD, like I still own the physical CD of it. And I know all the words and all the harmony parts and, it's one of those things that I can still, that I love. And once you find someone else who loves it, maybe this is like what a true guilty pleasure mm-hmm. is. Is like when you find someone who loves it, it's like the best day of your life because so few people know about it or like it too. So then you can geek out with this person who also knows it and loves it. But it's definitely something that I can turn on and just... I'm dancing around my bedroom and, you know, I'm, I'm totally into it. I don't even get into a lot of musical theater, uh, which yeah. is surprising for me because I seem like I would, but that for me is musical theater. And, you know, they write it very much in the style of right. trying to mimic musicals. So it is very musical theater and uh, that's really fun. So I'm going to say that because I, I love the answer and I don't want to, you know, poop on it by being like, everything I like is a guilty pleasure. But I like Coldplay and the Buffy the Vampire the Slayer musical episode, which is called Once More with Feeling. Thank you, Danielle, for doing this. We just love you and and just uh, look forward to seeing you again when we get back to live music. Yes, thank you so much. This was a great conversation and I always enjoy talking to you. And thank you for asking me great questions and, and lightening up my afternoon. Thanks for tuning in. You can find links in the podcast details and hope that you will find ways to support musicians and artists during this hard time. We need our poets and truth tellers now more than ever. See you next time on Music at Three Pines, the podcast. I know that everyone's a good dog under these three pines.